FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hulk Smash Puny Podcast! Hey everybody, welcome to episode 173 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, Jet Jockey Joyrider Venable, and I'm joined once again by flashback specialist Cameron, you can't punch a snowflake, Sinclair. <laughs> Hello, I was hoping that you would do... Um... Obviously pathetic and pathetically obvious. <laughs> That's a good one, too. I do want to make an, an addendum. If, if your stripper's name is Snowflake, I guess you technically could punch her, but you shouldn't. That's true. Okay. So it is possible to punch a Snowflake. The podcast that goes snick takes a firm stance against <laughs> stripper female punching. batter. <laughs> oh, well, that too. <laughs> anyway. No, no, don't punch anyone. No. Bad idea. Bad idea. Um... So, we're back with, like, a regular full-length episode, first time in a while. Ever since we got our uh, new intern, Oliver, the <laughs> podcast has kind of uh, been a little helter-skelter, so I know we've had a lot of kind of uh, snack-sized episodes, but um, I feel like we picked a really good one to uh, get back kind of to our, our real deal. Um, of course, it is a flashback episode. Flashback! <laughs> You're waiting on me. Yes. And then this Hulk round two. Now, we're going to talk about the Incredible Hulk number 340. Isn't it round three? Well, okay. So, well, I guess if you break up the first fight and the two fights, you can say that. And, the, and Wolverine was in some other issues of Incredible Hulk later. But it was just him with a bunch of heroes when he got pardoned. So there wasn't really any kind of like animosity. Yeah, okay. and they that actually didn't really interact at all. I was thinking I remembered they, that there had been Hulk stuff, but but yeah, you're right. They haven't had a big throwdown since right. since the original time. Yeah, so, so this is this is the the official rematch, and of course the uh, the difference remix remix. Uh, the difference now, of course, is that, uh, at this point in the Hulk's career, we're to a uh, Gray Hulk. Now remember the Gray Hulk. Um, it's maybe not quite as strong, but he's smarter, and it kind of goes back to the very, very original concept of the Hulk, like back with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and he's only Hulk when the sun's not out. Werewolf. Yeah, were, were-hulk. Werewolf Hulk. Yeah. Or Werehulk, there you go. And so you may ask what all this has to do with the X-Men and Wolverine, besides Wolverine being in the book. Uh, this is an unofficial Follow the Mutants tie-in. And I'd actually originally kind of intended to roll this into that episode. Uh, if you remember the last time we did a flashback episode, which was a long time ago, it feels like. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> you might remember that I said Follow the Mutants was next. And once I actually sat down and read this issue, I felt like it kind of merited his own episode. So hopefully we'll have enough to, to say about it. Now, you also remember the last time when we left Uncanny X-Men, number 224, I think it was, or whatever, the X-Men were about to head to Dallas to die, um, to try to save Storm. And so this issue literally takes place when they're en route, or en route, to Dallas. 
They're in the Blackbird, they're flying, and they're going to meet the Hulk. So, this issue is Vicious Circle. It is written by Peter David, art by Todd McFarlane, letters by Rick Parker, colors by Petrus Goatees, and the cover is by McFarlane and a different inker, Bob Wyacek. So, um... (laughs) This is a pretty classic cover, I think. We have Wolverine in a stark blue background, and when he's got his claws popped, and reflected in his claws is a broken image of the Hulk's face. So I don't think you have to qualify this by saying I think. This oh no, is an it's, amazing it's a great cover. This is just it's one of the classic covers. Yeah, it's a classic Wolverine cover that happens to be in the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um, also, it's the first. Todd McFarlane Wolverine. So that's worth noting. Um, Very nice. And while we've had Peter David on the podcast before, doing a he did a Sabretooth appearance in a Spectacular Spider-Man, this is his first time to write Wolverine. So we'll talk about kind of how he handles the character. Um, Let's talk about this issue for a minute, though, because as a kid, I remember wanting this comic so bad. Yeah. And I never was able to get it. (laughs) I remember we would go back, we would go over, your aunt would take us to um, Awesome Cards and Comics, which is now just Awesome Comics, which is where I still buy my books. Um, They drop the cards. Um, I remember I would just, this was in the glass counter, like for, it seemed like forever, like several visits. Yeah. I would just kind of just stare at it. And I remember this issue, um, I think Amazing Spider-Man like 300, which was, funny enough, also Todd McFarlane, um, first yeah. first full Venom. Wolverine number one, Punisher number one, and Punisher World, War Journal number one were kind of like my most sought-after comics as a kid. The holy grails of yeah, definitely of our version of the comic universe. And I was able to save up my allowance and buy a couple of those, but this one was not my first pick on the list. I think Punisher number one was the one that I really, like, wanted bad. And so I saved up forever to buy that. And I remember this was, as a kid, it was like 40 bucks plus. Yeah, probably. And sure. still runs about that, you know. Uh, as an adult, I finally uh, was able to to put the scratch together and buy it. But um, you know, it's funny though because I didn't. I bought it after I started the podcast, knowing that I would have to eventually talk about it. And um, I actually saved it and never. So reading it for this episode was the first time I ever read it. Nice. And so I have also been reading. I found a chunk of um, the David McFarlane Hulk run. Uh, in some discount bins and, nice. and pick some up. So I've been reading some of the story along with it. It's a pretty pretty strong run. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how the X-Men fit into the Hulk story. Where we are with the Hulk is he's been separated from his love, Benny, and the leader kind of behind the scenes is trying to take over the government, uh, U.S. government, and and find the gamma bombs they've been testing so we can use them to make like an army of, of Hulk-like creatures. Yeah. And so the Hulk and two S.H.I.E.L.D. or X, I guess at this point, X-S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are kind of just on a road trip trying to find yeah. these bombs. And that's kind of, so we have them looking for the bombs 
that kind of been working their way across the country from New Mexico, Lots kind of, of towards D.C. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess the route of, actually, they'd probably take 40 across. They'd probably go north of Dallas. But for whatever reason, working their way from, from New Mexico to D.C., uh, they're, they're in Dallas. No, actually, it says on this issue they got lost. <laughs> so I guess that's yeah. what happened. And then the it's X-Men, of course, time. are coming to Dallas so they can die. And um, that's where they all meet up. So, we start off with um, just a really nice first page, I thought. Uh, we have a, a female hand holding a snow globe, um, just waxing eloquent about, you know, missing the Hulk. She's not really supposed to miss the Hulk. They, they kind of split up because she was the Hulk yeah. <laughs> and bad for her. But even though she knows like, they shouldn't be together, she still wonders where he is. And right on cue, um, we find out where the Hulk is. They're in their little stolen shield van driving around in the snow, which is weird. There's like a blizzard in Dallas, which, you know, for an unnatural weather phenomenon, this is the second time we've had a blizzard in Dallas (laughs) in in the Marvel Universe, so in the 80s. Um, Which there were some tough years, snow years in Dallas in the 80s, but even our version of a tough snow year doesn't look anything like what they're portraying. No, (laughs) not at all. This is like Minnesota winters. Right. But I thought it was a nice first page, nice art. And, you know, a lot of times the first page is like a big splash to open up with action and stuff. This was a really subtle, like, you don't actually really see anything. Yeah, um, I, just, I like the, the headlights, the way it looks. Yeah. Kind of hidden in the snow drifts. Right. Then, of course, we mentioned on page two, uh, DFW Airport, and we, we get to see the airport. Of course, a, a late 80s, early 90s, Todd McFarlane staple. We have a random Felix the cat head <laughs> in the panel. Um, so oh, then we, uh, we see... So, Cameron, um, I've been reading some of these issues leading up to this and I've kind of been enjoying um, the art. What do you think of McFarlane's Hulk? And have you ever really read any before? Um, I've read some, I think. I mean, I've seen it. I, I assume I've read some, although it's been many, many years. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the way he draws the Hulk because he looks a little too much like Frankenstein. I think that's intentional, but yes. Yeah, I agree. I think it's intentional. I, that, that's his choice on his take on the Hulk. For me, it's I don't know. I don't I don't like the flat head as much and kind of the right. the Skeletor face. <laughs> but I like the gray. I like the color, and I like the idea of the this gray Hulk in this era. Yeah. So I don't know. There's something about the flat head that that bothers me because it makes it, me think of Herman Munster. It definitely calls back to Kirby's first gray Hulk. Yeah. Like back in the '60s, and I think McFarlane. I th- well, actually, I think Marvel said this is what we want to do and McFarlane's version of it is you definitely have like the super line work McFarlane does with all the extra lines so that definitely makes him look more old and rough yeah which I'll say it's definitely very well drawn it's the the, for me the only the only reason I would say I don't love it is because I don't like the choice as much okay but it looks as far as the art itself it looks incredible and the way he draws the the weathered face the grizzled face even the bags under the eyes things like that right you know the the typical McFarlane attention to detail that you know you didn't see a lot in comics up up to this point you know this is when we start to see a lot more of that but right that very detailed kind of expression face. 
and he nails the proportions. He's like this. A lot of times you get these jumping um, perspective shots, and yeah, and that's weird. not something he's known for. So it's actually, yeah. you know, pretty good. Um, of course, we, so then we we meet the X Men um, in the cockpit of the Blackbird. Psylocke and Dazzler pretty much look identical. You know, poor Psylocke and Dazzler. Everyone just kind of draws them the same all the time. Yeah, they're like twins. Um, but kind of the a stock photo of attractive <laughs> white girl. Right. <laughs> Change your hair a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't help that they're kind of always in the background. Yeah, but that's um. True. But anyway, we have some. So you, you have some exaggerated McFarlane on Havoc's uh, headdress. Yeah. Where it's extra super, mullety. Yeah. Uh, long shot is uh. Yeah, definitely extra mullet there. Wolverine in this first panel looks like his face is a little flat. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Smushed. And I'm not sure why Rogue has Wolverine's hair. She's got a Wolverine mullet. Yeah, she does. She's got Wolverine's hair on the top and then party <laughs> in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will say, though, one, one thing that I noticed right off the bat, and you don't really notice it through the whole comic... But the choice on Wolverine's costume, it'll really stick out some of the fighting. I'm not crazy about the almost pastel-y color that Scotese chose for his costume. Yeah, it's it looks it looks like he washed his costume and it faded. Yes. That's kind of what it looks like. It does. There's some bad laundry choices. And it's not just... I don't think it's an error because it carries that way through the issue. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. And there's a couple of pages where it looks kind of exceptionally bad. Yeah. But... Anyway, we'll talk about that as we get there. Um, oh, I was going to say, why, so I guess we, I forgot we didn't do. So we're going through this a little bit different. We're going to kind of go plot by plot. So we have, um, of course, the Hulk in the van. They're driving. He needs some air, so he jumps out into the snow. Um, the Blackbird is going to try to land in Dallas. The DFW airport, the air traffic control, has already turned one plane away. And Wolverine's like, uh, <laughs> they 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 hail him as an unidentified plane. He's like, we don't create hazards, bub. We stop them. <laughs> and the 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 guy asks, what's wrong? He goes, you wouldn't believe me, but if you don't give us clearance to land, you'll have a lot bigger headache than a snowstorm. Chew on it for a minute, okay? Yeah. And I don't think that would work. Well, and. Post 9-11, they'd already been shot down by this point. Right. Um, yeah. It's definitely a different day and age. But even back then, I don't think it was so loosey-goosey yeah. that someone could say, well, no. if I don't win, there's going to be trouble. The conversation is like he's talking to a like a small town, single-engine plane <laughs> airport, you know, where it's right. like one guy and there's a couple of strips, and they're like, well... <laughs> I'm coming for a landing. You know, DFW is a massive international airport. You <laughs> like, can show up and find clearance, find a place to land. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and also, I will also comment quickly that I thought it was interesting because I don't ever remember the X Men in the in the uh, in the Thunderbird. Blackbird. <laughs> Blackbird. I was like Thunderbird. Thunderbird. He's kind of strong. Um, having to find a landing strip before. I'm guessing maybe because the weather is so crazy, they don't feel like they can just land like in a snowbank somewhere. But don't they usually do VT, VTOL? Yes. And so in this case, it seems like in the in the context of a snowstorm, 
that kind of landing would be even better to do somewhere rather than to try to yeah. go in for a runway landing somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to attribute that to, to Peter David just not really knowing how the Blackbird works. Yeah, probably. And, you know, the idea that they've now they've made a big production and so everyone knows the X-Men are here. Right. They're going to show up at the airport and land and all that, you know. Yeah. Instead of what they normally do, which is kind of show up and hide somewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we know Wolverine's leading the team. There's no time for subtlety anymore. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that him and Rogue were flying it. I don't know who else in this group would, because our normal pilots are all gone. Yeah. Um, you know, Storm, Nightcrawler usually kind of fly the Blackbird. Yeah. Well, Rogue can fly herself, so it stands to reason that she'd be able to fly a plane. Yes, because everyone <laughs> that can walk can drive a car. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Um, so Rogue comments that, that Wolverine is, is awfully calm and Wolverine's like I'm not upset yet <laughs> pretty much what he says um, and they X-Men jibber jabber a little bit make a Dallas joke um, like the TV show Dallas because you can't talk about Dallas without talking about the TV show yeah not not in the world FYI you want to really frustrate Dallas people when they tell when they say they're from Dallas talk about the TV show yeah <laughs> It's not old at all. <laughs> no. Um, and not even the old one. Talk about the new one. <laughs> oh, did, did anybody watch that? <laughs> no. Not I didn't. Not in Dallas, I don't think. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they make a joke about, about the, I guess, the cliffhanger or whatever, the end of the, the season or series or whatever. Um, Wolverine tells Longshot to shut up. Then the whole... That's my favorite part related to Longshot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Zip it, Longshot, is the actual quote. So we get a naked Hulk jumping through the sky. Almost hits the Blackbird. Wolverine does some evasive maneuvering. And he goes, whoo, just dodged it. And then Hulk goes, ah, what I just dodge? <laughs> They're random kind of Peter David correlating the conversations together. <laughs> So while the Hulk misses the Blackbird, though, he doesn't miss Pan Am Flight 134, nope. which was trying to reroute to Houston, and he hits the engine and um, blows it up. Blows it up real good. So, of course, the plane sends out a Mayday. Wolverine, suddenly not in the cockpit anymore, uh, picks up the Mayday and tells Rogue to fly out there, tear off the engine, and save the plane. And Rogue's like, but... If I throw the engine down, it's going to fall through Donnie Darko's house. And uh, and Wolverine's like, nah, just aim for the wind. There's no lights. Which I thought Which, was... I they're thought in the middle a of a blizzard, A. True. <laughs> and they're, you know, rural people. Right. <laughs> they're not out in the woods. They're no, in Dallas. No, but Wolverine clears that up. Um, he says, you know, if, if in this blizzard, anybody's out in a field or a lake, they deserve to die. Pretty yeah. much what he says. There you go. I did think it was a weird conversation, though, that Rogue would... It seemed weird to me that she would pause with the idea that a few people might get hurt in the context of probably over 100 people will definitely die. Right. It seems like that's not a hesitation that she would do, that she would run out there and do something about it, save the plane. Right. So she jumps out, she saves the plane, I guess, and we don't actually see that. Yeah. It's all (laughs) off-panel. That's all off-panel. When the Hulk is lost in the woods, the the famous woods of Dallas. Um, (laughs) 
We are known for our giant forest. <laughs> right. And so Rogue's aim was good. She she went for a desolate area, and <laughs> the engine lands right on top of the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get an awesome thing that McFarlane was a master at. As we see the Hulk climbing out of the rubble, we get this awesome thing where the Hulk's bottom half of the face is in shadow, but his mouth isn't. Yeah. And just classic McFarlane. Um, really love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like it. So the X-Men then, the plane has been saved. It's on the ground. Wolverine's looking at the wing, and he smells Hulk. But it's a little bit different. Kind of a nod to him. I guess gray skin smells different than green skin. I guess yeah, so. is, is, that, is, that, is that racist? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um uh, so what Peter David does with Wolverine, we might as well talk about this now, uh, his internal narration is very kind of a uh, Sam Spade. <laughs> Where he's like, I'm calling Wolverine. I'm a mutant. Like the rest of the X-Men, I check over the wing on this airplane, brought d- rogue brought down. Think about all the strangeness in my life right now. This unreal weather. The leadership of the X-Men. That dame room. No way. <laughs> it's as if the world is in flux around me, but my instincts, they've been a constant, unswerving, dependable, until lately, maybe. <laughs> then he talks about his senses, and he would love to run off and check it out, but now he's the leader of the X-Men. He's not a loner anymore, and he can't no time just... time for rabbit holes. Yep, no time for chasing the Hulk. He's got to keep the team together and find Storm. That's right. So then we see the leader... Uh, na 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 leader. Um, <laughs> I really like McFarlane's leader. First of all, his super line, like busy line work, works well with his brain, yeah. his big brain. And I also love that he gave him this nasty handlebar mustache. Yeah, I like it. I think that's really cool. Um, I could go with maybe a different costume. Actually, I think it'd be great. You know, you already gave him the handlebar mustache. Just dress him up in like a like an '80s like suit, you know, or, or even even maybe like he's a little behind the times, like just a '70s like. That would be pretty cool. And just like a necktie or a pop collar or maybe even an open like yeah. unbuttoned shirt. <laughs> he looks too much like oh the DC character with the the uh, a purple suit. Like if this was purple and this was green, purple and green, and his face was green, or no, I mean uh, pink and his face was green. I can't think of what that guy's name is. Purple and pink with a green face? Beast I'll Boy? I'll think of it in a minute. No, I'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he looks like that character, so I agree with you. I do think that the brain part should be a different color. You think so? Yeah, but then I... But it never... Historically, it's not. Yeah, I know. I just feel like with the... But but the, the more... But when I picture that in my head, I don't like it that way either. Because so. <laughs> then it just looks like crying from Ninja Turtles. Right. So. Right, right. Um, so scratch that. I like the, the yeah. solid color. So the leader has a big map, a distorted map of the United States, and he's looking at all the weather patterns, and all this weird weather is going to make him escalate his plan. So he's talking to this um, Half-Life, which I missed the issue where he came around, so I, uh, that was a hole in my Hulk run. But here's what the leader says. Um, in addition to being obviously pathetic, you're pathetically obvious. As, That's a uh, great line. As Cameron quoted earlier. But he, the leader is also, like we said, trying to find these gamma bombs so he can make his army of weird creatures. Yeah. And so he calls the general <laughs> <laughs> at the Pentagon, you know, the one, um, 
And I like how they show that, well, first of all, I didn't know the, I mean, I knew the leader used like his super brain to control things. I didn't realize, like, I guess I always thought it was like brain waves. Yeah. So, but here he controls the guy through the phone. So yeah. it's obviously was interesting too. kind of voice activated or whatever. Maybe sound waves. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe his brain waves can travel through the, or with the sound. Yeah, maybe with the sound waves or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so that was interesting too. You know he's controlled because the general's eyes are glowing, and he's just saying whatever the leader wants to say. He says something about being controlled on the next page. True. Yeah. And so apparently he tells the leader where they are, but he doesn't tell the reader where they are. Oh. So we'll we'll have to find that out later. Not this issue. Uh, We get another scene of of Betty uh, pining over her snow globe. I'm sorry. The female hand pining over her snow globe, talking <laughs> Later about revealed that it's Betty. Yeah, you spoiled it already by telling. Spoiler alert! Sorry, I'm trying to decide between what she wants to do and what she feels like she should do. Then we see the Hulk got hungry and broke through the side of a patty time uh, <laughs> truck, which I'm pretty sure is made up. Um, yeah. We get another awesome. So the cops show up, or is that cops or Shield? It's also kind of horrific because the. The logo for Patty Time is a cow with a chef's hat. About to eat his own hoof. Leading you to believe <laughs> that it is a cow that is making hamburger patties. Right. And so it becomes all kinds of awful if you really think about it. Is uh, is Burger 21 national chain or just local to Dallas? I don't know what that is. Oh. Hey. It's a new... I know there's a new place here. It's a pretty good burger place. So the theater is around here. And maybe it's really just the theater in Frisco. But... um. They have a, a ad that plays like you know during the the warm up. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Um, and it's, it's talking about a burger. Um, there's two burgers and they're talking to each other. <laughs> and one's like, you know, I had a dream where uh, I ate this this thing, and he basically describes like himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he turns to the other burger and is like, burger to burger, is that weird? <laughs> the other burger kind of backs off. He's like, uh, no. But anyway, it made me think of that. So, That's yeah, funny. here we have a cow eating burgers. We get some more McFarlane greatness as we see the Hulk kind of through the hole in the van. And we see kind of a shadowy face, just eyes and teeth and, and blackness. Um, and then the Hulk comes out and everyone opens fire. The Hulk is drooling, eating a big ham hock. Um <laughs> And the guns can't hulk the hurt. Ugh. Can't hulk the hurt. The guns can't <laughs> hurt the Hulk, but they do blow up the truck or part of it. And the Hulk throws the truck at the cops. Then he runs off, but it starts a forest fire. And Wolverine smells the forest fire, so the X Men have another distraction. Can't get to store quite yet. They gotta go help the people. So uh, Wolverine throws on his mask, and he doesn't. He says something. What is he? Oh, he says, "I wonder who the Joker is. He's responsible for this." He says, "I jerk is." Oh, I'm sorry, jerk. He realizes later that his. This is weird how Peter David points this out. So Peter David basically says that Wolverine is is a downwind or upwind. I always get those mixed up. Downwind. But he's downwind, so we can't smell the Hulk. No upwind. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't smell the Hulk. But his words carry on the wind to where the Hulk is. Now, how Wolverine knows in his internal dialogue that that's what set the Hulk off, I don't know. That's weird. But, but it also doesn't make sense because if you're, if you're yeah, so upwind. If, if the wind's blowing this way, 
So the whole scent is oh, over it, here, and the words go. Sense. The words go on the wind. Yeah. Anyway, Wolverine pontific- uh, pontificating that somebody is a jerk really makes the Hulk mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. It's also weird that Hulk is kind of the opposite of the old adage: sticks and stones cannot break his bones. Yeah. But words really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's also weird because Wolverine's already stated that he thinks it might be the Hulk that blew up the plane. Right. And then why he, would, why he wouldn't immediately assume that these events are connected. Because then it's like, oh, a mile away, there's a big forest fire. Right. I don't know who this could be. <laughs> I already know. There's a, a Hulk breaking planes up. Yeah, and I'm curious. Not that I want the comic to spend a lot of time talking about it. But the, the X-Men have already landed the plane, I'm assuming. Yeah. So they got they got to this fire really fast. Yeah. They're now into this giant forest that exists somehow <laughs> outside of DFW. Right. They've landed, they've disembarked, they've gone through security checks, they've done all the stuff you gotta do in an airplane, which granted it's less in the eighties than it is now, but still I think they just landed and walked off the runway. Yeah. Which into the snow. Goes back to the point of what was the point of them landing at the <laughs> land in the forest where the fire is. Why do they even have to go to the airport? Uh, Rogue needed a travel pillow. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> just gotta stop at the. What are the? What are those? The newsstands? Yeah. <laughs> what are they called? I forgot. I don't remember. Uh, no, technically, Ro- news. Yeah. <laughs> no, technically, Rogue can just use her hair as a travel pillow at this point. Yeah, that's uh, true. But yeah, so the Hulk uh, jumps at Wolverine and lets out a guttural just in time. So we get a snicked off panel, but then Wolverine in a Almost terrible panel, oddly enough. It gets weird. Um, turns around and, and, and stabs the Hulk. Cuts yeah. him with his claws. This is another panel where it just looks like Wolverine. All washed out. In, yeah, it's washed out independently of the rest of the panel. It's yeah. it's odd. It's it an odd weird. color choice. And his, uh, his uh, claws become toothpick size. On one hand. And then super thick on the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some weird, weird stuff going on in the art here and he looks like he's about to eat his own face like his pecs look like they're about to swallow his chin um so he says I pop my claws but not my cork I don't do that anymore I'm civilized at least that's what I like to tell myself actually I'm not super fond of, of David's narration for Wolverine but I actually kind of like that line yeah at least the concept of it that like you know Wolverine has made all this progress at least that's what he's saying Right. You know, he has all these setbacks constantly, but he's 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 kind of kind of speaking into reality his his own kind of evolution. Yeah, um, I, I like that too. I, the 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 internal monologue gets old because there's so much of it. But right. I do like there are a few points where it works well, and that's one of them. Yeah. So then uh, the Hulk calls Wolverine a miserable little shrimp, and Wolverine talks about how he really wants to fight, but he can't. Do you think that's in versus a happy shrimp? So sometimes oh. you think that, oh, you're like a happy shrimp. You're a happy little shrimp. Oh, aren't you a what happy little so shrimp? What is he so depressed about? He's just yeah. a shrimp. Why are you so miserable? <laughs> Depression is a real issue among the shrimp community. Yes. We should bring awareness to that. That's true. We should start a fundraiser we should. for shrimp depression. There you go. We can even apply it to all mollusk. Right? They're mollusk, right? Uh, not. Are they fish? Fish. Shellfish, mollusks, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just stick with shrimp. Okay, just shrimp. 
So, uh, please send your money to... <laughs> <laughs> P.O. Box. <laughs> Snickcast. Snickcast. Yeah. Yeah, just kidding. Don't send money for shrimp. No. Spend money eating shrimp if you want. I was going to say, if you send money for shrimp, I'm not going to save them. I'm just going to eat them. Yeah, and Ar- arguably. Just you know, put them out of Fry those there. bad boys up. Yeah. Possibly put them on a po' boy. Well, I yeah. personally don't like shrimp, in case any listeners were curious. <laughs> <laughs> so don't send any shrimp money to Cameron. <laughs> send it yeah. all to me. I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> I'll spend it on beef or chicken. There Real food. Real food. Real food. I don't like to eat food that eats other food's waste. Yeah. Just a policy of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm straight up kosher. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of kosher, I thought it was interesting that the Hulk's blood was still green. I know. That was interesting. That was a terrible segue. I apologize. It was, but it looked cool. <laughs> yeah. Are you suggesting that, that people who are kosher have green blood? <laughs> no, not this, at all. This is getting weird, Jason. <laughs> no, yes. Uh, now, I like I liked the the play of all the green blood on the gray skin. Yeah, it looked really Wolver- good. Uh, Wolverine with uh, Hulk. It looks very cool. Yeah. So anyway, Wolverine's contemplating uh, having a good brawl, having the rematch. Yeah. And he says, "But then I remember who I am and what I am." And what I have to do. And he apologizes, which, man, that's got to be tough. If you yeah. think it's hard for husbands to apologize, Wolverine doesn't apologize for shit. Yeah, nothing. And it's so like, sorry, my mistake. And Hulk's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What Hulk says. Yeah. And Wolverine's like, no, really, I don't have time. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I got other stuff to do. Yeah. And then. I'm a very important man. And kind of well, exactly. Yes, actually, what he says, and almost a kind of passive aggressive, almost like like poking the Hulk with a stick. He's like, "I got more important stuff to do." Yeah, and that just, of course, pisses the Hulk off. I do think it's interesting, though, how how dead set the Hulk is on fighting Wolverine. Oh, well, all right. So over a small number of insults, but Gray Hulk is PMS Hulk. Yeah. He's smarter, but he's, but he's still unstable. He's he's a really big jerk. Yeah. Um, he's super mean and super violent. And whereas, you know, a, a, the original Hulk was kind of mindless violence. Yeah. Like, kind of out of control. Like, the Grey Hulk has still has brains. Right. But he chooses to fight. Like, he wants to fight. Yeah. He just wants this throwdown. Yeah, he just wants to fight everybody all the time. Yeah. And that that's kind of the hallmark of this run is just kind of what it's kind of a dick he is all yeah. the time. Um, it's just interesting that because we go through, you know, several panels of this of Wolverine basically <laughs> trying not to fight Hulk. Right. But Hulk is absolutely set on fighting Wolverine. Which makes sense and, and it well, works you know. out well, certainly. But it's just interesting that there's no real reason for him to be other than just irritated that Wolverine exists. Well, Wolverine called him a jerk unintentionally. <laughs> he called someone a jerk. <laughs> he called someone a jerk. And uh, Hulk got mad. You know, yeah. Let me ask you this because I kind of like it that they didn't. Would you like it better if Hulk knew that the X-Men were responsible for dropping the engine on him? I mean, that definitely gives more cause. I kind of like that he doesn't have cause. Yeah, I I like that better too because it's he's just mad, right? And you know we're, we're like you said reinforcing this idea that this is angry Hulk, but not mindless 
violent, angry Hulk, like Green Hulk who's just fighting. He doesn't really know why he's doing what he's doing. Right. He's just mad. He's trying to take it out on anyone and everyone. Right. So Green Hulk is just, I mean, uh, Gray Hulk is just pissed off. Yeah, and he really hates shrimp. And he hates shrimp. He's like you. There you go. <laughs> you so, are the Gray Hulk. There you go. That's, that's very clear. Very true. <laughs> so, yeah. so Wolverine tries to walk off, and then we get an awesome panel Yep, oh, the whole shadow. Yeah, shadow more shadow team. on the face of Hulk jumping. He goes, if you won't fight me, then I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Wolverine tries to jump away. We get a nice little callback to Wolverine's first appearance. Uh, Wolverine says, you think I forgot about the time when we fought? Nope. <laughs> you had your piece of me. And Wolverine's like, I've changed. <laughs> and Hulk says, so am I. <laughs> I'm smart now. <laughs> <laughs> So I do like the art on this page. We'll talk kind of the end about overall impressions of McFarlane's Wolverine. But these panels are pretty nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, they look good. We have Wolverine jumping. He lands and crouches in the snow. Wolverine kind of has a thing, a theme that's been recently in the X-Men is that, yeah, I love to fight, but also you have to know when to not fight. Yeah. And so he kind of pulls that card out. Well, that's the that's the hallmark of of advanced Wolverine. Yeah. He, he moves beyond the Berserker and now he's controlling that or at least trying to control that right. violence. Yeah. And so that he can pick and choose when he's violent. Yeah. And so I'm glad... Which parallels with Hulk. Yeah. The point here is Smart Hulk can pick and choose right. his violence as well. But I also want to kind of kind of talk about this now for just a second. I'm glad that um, Peter David picked up on that. Because you don't see that in a lot of Wolverine guest appearances. Yeah. Uh, usually when Wolverine, at least up to this point, I think we'll, I, I'm hoping we'll see more of it this style. But up to this point, usually when Wolverine shows up in other books, he's a very one-dimensional character. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of rough around the edges, and he loves to fight, and he's gruff, and that's really all he is. Yeah. And so for Peter David actually kind of be aware and mention and write Wolverine as if he's actually been reading, you know, the current issues of X-Men. I actually really appreciated that. Yeah. Not crazy about all the, you know, the, the 1940s <laughs> private eye dialogue, but, you know, for what it's worth, I, I feel like he's at least trying to pay attention to the character and where he is. Yeah. Eventually, he gets us there. Right. <laughs> After a lot, but he yeah. gets us there. So Hulk accuses Wolverine of talking too much and thinking too much. And <laughs> which he does is yeah. And he does the classic Wolverine thunderclap, which Peter David also pulls out a, a thing here where he says, That would hurt most people's ears. But with my like super ears, it like paralyzes me for a second. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Hulk tries to punch him into the ground, he can't. And then the bottom part of this page artistically is awesome. Uh, Wolverine says you know, he's getting furious. He's sick of fighting himself, which I thought was interesting because it kind of makes out that this whole fight so far hasn't really been Wolverine versus the Hulk. Yeah. It's been Wolverine versus Wolverine. Yeah. Um, and he, but he gives in. Um, we get a nice, so we see him like in shadow leaning on a tree. Um, and then we get a close up on his eye, which is fantastic looking, though it's brown, which Wolverine doesn't have brown eyes. But, um, yeah. Probably should, but he never has. Um, then he growls, and then we get a, a kind of a weak snicked, but it's a nice <laughs> sequence. <It's> a <laughs> snicked. Yeah. Well, his claws just go puny. Yeah. Um, it's like the 
He's the wimpy cartoon guy. He talks like this. <laughs> I don't know. Snit. <laughs> um, so then Wolverine cuts loose in what the colors make what should have been an right, awesome yeah. page. Very disappointing. To what would have been amazing panels. Right. Look washed out and faded, and so they look okay. Yeah, they look okay. But Hulk literally stabs... Uh, I'm sorry, Wolverine literally stabs Hulk through the stomach. All the way through. All the way Which through. Which pretty amazing. Um, doesn't quite cut through the shirt, but he pokes it out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of weird, but whatever. It's a nice effect. Comics code. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice effect. And then we see... Nowadays, him. they would show the blades poking out. Oh, yeah. Blood back, dripping blood off everywhere. of it. Yeah. But then we see a, a perspective shot from Hulk's eyes... So you see, like, the back of his hands, like, reaching for Wolverine. Then you see black behind Wolverine. And um, that looks really great. And then a panel fades to black. Yeah. So this page should have been great. And the colors just don't quite work. Yeah. Too bad. Petrus goatee. Who normally does pretty good colors. And it's just, just a weird choice for the character in this book, in this one issue. You know, I was trying to think, like... You try to say that everything's lighter and you can't see as well in the snow. Maybe, but it still just visually doesn't. Yeah. It just it makes the panels intentionally not pop, which yeah. is weird. This the the third one is not as bad. No, it's not. I think because you have the dark on the cowl. cowl. Yeah. And so that gives it a little bit more contrast, but Right. Yep, too bad. Yep. So then Wolverine howls at the moon as he's apt to do. And the Hulk is down, down for the count. He, he lets a sinister smile crawl across his face. We get a close-up on his eyes as he turns his head and realizes Hulk, Hulk's getting back up. Hulk has a healing factor. Yeah. Which I guess we knew, but I guess Wolverine didn't know. And we get an interesting kind of explanation for why there was no green blood in the first appearance of Wolverine. He says, well, I, guess I, I guess I just assumed I couldn't cut him. But really, I was cutting him, and the green Hulk just healed so fast I couldn't tell. Huh. And so we kind of have a weird, like, kind of explanation for why they want to draw blood now, and then they couldn't then. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it wasn't the comics code. Yeah. It was healing factor related. There you go. Um, so we go back to our ex-Shield agents uh, having a photograph, and we see Betty holding a snow globe with a ship in it. So now that we know the hand that we've seen yep. is, is Betty. Betty. So they're going to try to find the Hulk. Hulk and Wolverine fight some more. Yeah, and we just have some nice, just kind of... Yeah, just full-on panels. Yeah, full-on fight panels. That if the colors were less washed out... <laughs> it would be great. would be much better than that. Yeah. The last panel on page 19 is fantastic. Yeah, very cool. Lots of really cool shadow work. Uh, Wolverine kind of crouching. Um, he just got thrown through a tree. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of crouching in the splinter truck we do have an interesting thing here where he says um you know when two dogs fight you're supposed to turn a hose on them it's going to kind of remember that because <laughs> uh, he says you know obviously there's no hose around so we're going to kill each other then we turn the page to an awesome kind of dual panel yeah of both of their eyes we have the hulk eye and wolverine eye kind of next to each other making a pair of eyes mm-hmm. and hulk and wolverine are reflected in each other's pupils yeah, it's a really, cool. really nice effect. Then we have two two more panels right below that, and then kind of running towards each other. And then kind of end that page with a panel of Wolverine and Hulk kind of just smacking into each other. 
Hulk talks about how mad he is. Um, that everyone kind of picks on the Hulk. And then we get uh, kind of a Hulk and Wolverine version of, of spraying dogs to the fire hose <laughs> as um, Agent Quartermain shoots them with some kind of big gun. Yep. Kind of that's all you need to know. They don't really explain it. It's just a big, big gun with a big blast. Big, like, like in the 90s, everybody had. Yes. In the 90s comics, they always had these super giant guns. Yep. This is a precursor. I love how the guy, uh, the other guy in the background is just standing with his hands in his jacket <laughs> like the fawns. He's just chilling out. And then um, Agent Quartermain lectures Wolverine and the Hulk. Yeah, I like that. Says, y'all aren't mindless anymore. You both have missions. Hulk, we have to find the Gamma Bobs. Wolverine, I'm sure you have something. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine's like, yeah, yeah, they, they both of them are like, like uh, I guess you're right. School children. Yeah. <laughs> and then he makes them hug it out. Right. Yeah. So they <laughs> give each other a hug. Give each other a kiss. Um, so Hulk agrees reluctantly that he won't fight anymore. So he punches the ground. Tells Wolverine, "You warn everybody. Don't mess with me." <laughs> then he jumps off and get a nice uh, exit sign for Dallas City limits. Um, and Wolverine's like, okay, sure. And then he says, I can't remember the last time I wanted a cigar this bad. Yep. So we don't see it, but Peter David decides once and for all he's going to settle the Cigarello cigar debate. So anyway, Hulk runs off and we find out it is indeed Betty with the snow globe. And it's from their honeymoon yep. with Bruce on their, their cruise ship. But she says, I don't know what to do. And she throws the snow globe against the wall. It bleeds green. <laughs> For some reason, and uh, she cries, and the snow snow globe is there. Next issue, Man Bull, which has a Wolverine reader. It's not sound near as interesting as Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. No, nope. um, the Man Bull. So that's kind of our our side detour on the way to Dallas for the X Men, and uh, Wolverine has a rematch with the Hulk. So, what's your overall kind of thoughts on the art? This is this is McFarlane's. First attempt at Wolverine. I think it's very good. Um, almost amazing. Other than my pre- my preference for Hulk, uh, Hulk's head not being flat. Right. But otherwise, and certainly all the Wolverine stuff, other than the coloring, which is not... The coloring is, is poor, right. Is, is, uh, is, is weird choices. It's not bad, just bad choices that I don't like. But yeah, otherwise, it's... I mean, he, he does a great Wolverine. As he will continue to do. The only thing I would kind of say is a negative is he draws got the bladed claws on the cover, which I love. And yeah. his claws on the cover look great. And he does not draw the claws like that on the interior. He's pretty he kind of goes back to the claws. Dave Cockrum claws almost. Yeah. Kind of at, at best they're kind of long and curvy and at worst they're like... Thin Hulk and even calls them uh, pig stickers. Yeah. And sometimes McFarlane draws them that way. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of. But that's kind of really my only complaint. Like like you said, the colors as well. But I thought the art was overall dynamic, which yeah. is something McFarlane is known for. Oh, yeah. Um, it's gritty, which works. It is gritty. Um, has a real impending feeling of action. I just right. really feel like there's stuff moving. Yes. Very fluid in motion. Animated. Um, Everybody looks kind of rough, which really works, especially with Wolverine and the Hulk, because they're both kind of rough and tough characters. Should be. Yeah. I I will say, McFarlane's Hulk run is pretty great, 
and shows flashes of awesome. It's not he's not quite to where he got to on his amazing Spider Man run. Yeah, which that's true. which is pretty. If you like, I mean, obviously it's it's a style choice. You either like it or you don't. Yeah. If you like McFarlane's style, then his Spider Man work is pretty damn flawless. Yeah. Whereas here is great, but it's not that level of perfection yet. Yeah, he's getting there. No, uh, yeah, I think Spider Man. Well, people would probably disagree with that, but I think Spider Man has. There's more to work with with Spider Man than with Hulk. Yeah, I would say, especially. Yeah, but that's because I like Spider Man more. So yeah, I'm true. sure there's pe- there enough. are people who like Hulk better, <laughs> and so they would disagree with that. But. Yeah, but Spider Man, you have so many, so much of the action takes place in the city, and there's so many people involved, and there's so many different characters, and so many different things happening. So much of the Hulk is stuff like this, where there's a couple of characters, and he's trying to get somewhere, or he's out in the woods. Well, yeah, especially in this kind of road trip. Yeah, because part of a big long road trip. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, that's preference, I guess, more than anything else. Yeah. Well, and McFarlane's style is suited better to kind of, because you know, he always used Spider-Man kind of twisting through his webs and kind yeah. of in weird, kind of unrealistic but awesome-looking um, yeah. poses. <laughs> yeah, and the Hulk is such a big, bulky character. You're not going to have him doing all kinds of acrobats. I mean, no. he will, but it's just him jumping, you know, right. straight over. You know? <laughs> the twisting and the turning and the the swinging and all the kind of stuff that you get with Spider-Man. Yeah, no, you, you mentioned that though. Now I kind of want to see a picture of Hulk jumping and like his legs like over his head, <laughs> like like McFarlane does with Spider-Man. It would that would look weird. That would um, look weird. <laughs> all right, and of course, and we you know McFarlane doesn't do a lot of Wolverine. We won't have him on the podcast that often, so this is a nice little kind yeah. of inter- introduction. What he to does him. do Wolverine; it's very good as yeah. it is here. But yeah, so what do you think of of the story? What do you think of, of Peter David's? Well, a just the plot, and then kind of his handling of the character of Wolverine. I like the handling of the character a lot. I like the way he highlights that that inner struggle with Wolverine. I like this idea, and I, I kind of already said this, but I'll reiterate it a little bit. I like this idea that we have these two characters, Hulk and Wolverine, that start... Wolverine starts his journey with Wolverine, his comics journey. I'm going to sound like June, Diane, Raphael now. <laughs> begins his journey... With the Hulk. Right, yeah. With the Hulk. And they're both this same kind of berserker-type character. Mindless violence. They don't really know what they're doing. They don't really understand what's happening to them. They're just kind of there, and they fight in the woods only because they saw each other, and so they fought. That's it. There's no real... Beyond that. I mean, Wolverine's kind of sent to take care of the Hulk. But, yeah. but you know, I mean, yeah, this is kind of this... Yeah, he's on a mission, but they're just kind of there. They're fighting. And now we've pushed along. It's been, you know, 100 issues maybe. It it is weird that it is um, 13 years before they get a true rematch. Yeah, that's crazy. It's It's such a long time. Yeah. but And so we get to this point now, and they're both still kind of in a similar journey in which Wolverine is now, you know, trying to understand himself better and fight against those primal urges and control himself. Hulk is not necessarily trying to do that, but he's been able to do that because now he's Grey Hulk and while he's still choosing to be violent, he now has that choice and he's in control of himself to a degree. And so it's interesting that you have those two parallels. I found that interesting. Yeah. The the plot of the comic is okay. Nothing really happens except that they fight. I thought it was a nice... I think I wrote here in my notes. It was a nice kind of detour sidebar for yeah. both 
stories. It's a good segue Hulk, comic. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is a detour for the Hulk story, and it kind of also is, you know, the X-Men are on their way somewhere, yeah. and they kind of drop in this book. The two road trips that happen to... Yeah, to intersect. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that part of it. So, so that works. Yeah, and I, you know, like I said, I've been enjoying reading this, this Hulk run, or what I have of it. I don't have all the issues, but what I was able to find has been, been a good kind of... Like, oh, okay, this is cool. Yeah, Peter David, I like how he handles Wolverine. Some of the dialogue was, like, the specific wording felt a little off to me. Yeah. But that, that's a small complaint. Wolverine feels, he feels a little too fancy. It's a way to put that in this dialogue. Like, this dialogue right. makes him, like, you, you talked about kind of the, the 50s detective. You know, it gives him a more, like, Don Draper kind of feel to the way he's, <laughs> which is not, you know, the normal Wolverine. Well, you know, but... That does bet the question a little bit, though, because... Polished is better than fancy. Depending on what David had read at this point, though I think Claremont maybe did a little bit better job of it, this is that kind of noirish thing is kind of how he wrote Wolverine in the Wolverine miniseries. That's true. That's and a good so point. While, he, while he kind of wrote him differently and doesn't write him as much that way in Uncanny... Depending on what David had or hadn't read going into this issue, I mean, maybe he kind of played with that on purpose. I, yeah. you know, I don't know. And I don't know. It'd be interesting to ask. So, Peter David, if you're listening. Um, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm sure. I, why would he not? Yeah. Um, why don't you let us know what, what you thought of that? Whether, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he definitely, like I said, as, as opposed to a lot of guest appearances, he definitely feels like he's been at least somewhat keeping up with the character. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Well, in the the darkness, the the noir, you know that that definitely works with Wolverine. Right. And is an important part of his character. What people like about Wolverine. And so yeah, you have to give David, like he's my friend. Yeah. Um, you have to give him props, right? That he gets that, that he got that aspect of Wolverine. That we right. follow the darkness. We follow the noir. It just felt, you know, kind of the polished nature of it versus the kind of dirty, grittier version right. is the difference. But yeah, you're right. I mean, depending on how much Wolverine he read, I could go either way with the character. So yeah, it's interesting. Cool. Well, any other kind of kind of closing thoughts on this issue? Not really. I mean, it's just a good solid, it's a good solid low stakes, but interesting story issue. Yeah, I agree. I will say it would be, obviously, you know, when you have crossovers like this, it was an unofficial Fall of the Mutants tie-in. Yeah. Which I thought was unfortunate. Because the other tie-ins, of course, had, you know, the Fall of the Mutants logo across the top. <laughs> and this one doesn't. But I really feel like if you're reading Fall of the Mutants, or really even reading X-Men at all at this point, it would be a shame to miss this issue. Yeah, I agree. Like, if I was reading... Like, like I had read the X-Men before and read Fall of the Mutants before without this. And this really kind of adds a lot. To the story, not in that it, it drives the plot necessarily, but it just, it adds, actually, you know, I think it does though. It drives, it adds a lot to what Wolverine is struggling with, with kind of having been put in charge of the X-Men during yeah, this period. I agree with that. And I think it adds a lot to some of the decisions that we'll see in our next flashback episode that he makes as leader of the X-Men when they actually get to Dallas. Yeah. So, I think it's unfortunate that this didn't have an official crossover tie-in you know position it's weird that it didn't I mean I get that it's not as directly connected but 
it seems like in this in this era, you know, right. trying to sell comics and link everybody together. I mean, especially I mean, think about some of those tie-ins we read for the Mutant Massacre. <laughs> yeah, that were just completely irrelevant. Right. Or like the Secret Wars. The Secret, Secret Wars. Wars two tie-ins. You know, I have like, doesn't even make any sense. And try to help me remember because I, I have a theory on why it wasn't included when we actually talk about Fall of the Mutants okay. and how uncanny itself plays into Fall of the Mutants. Hmm. So I'll try to remember to to come back to that. Okay. Because yeah, in fact, I'll. Uh, yeah. And listeners, if he if he forgets, you hit the message boards and you hit That's him hard. Right. And tell him he failed. I'm writing a note because I've already written my notes for the Fall of the Mutants issues. He likes to work ahead. Yep. Okay. Cool. Got it. It's written down. So if I forget, I'm just dumb, <laughs> <laughs> which is entirely possible. We ha- having a lot of sleepless nights right now. The intern sure. for an intern, it's awfully bossy. Yeah, kind of, kind of been driving the podcast. That's uh, true. <laughs> oh, Oliver. But, um. <laughs> all right. Well, what do you want to grade? The Incredible Hulk number three forty. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say six out of six. Are you okay? I almost did. Um. I'm gonna the color. I'm gonna drop it one clock as the colors. Yeah. I. I I debated as well, but I feel like... And because some of the Wolverine faces, I wasn't entirely crazy about either. Yeah. So, so I'm going to do five out of six claws, but, I mean, it could go either way. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on how much you tie the coloring, so... Yeah. It was was a really fun issue to read, a really nice fight. Great read. Really weird that it took 13 years to get to this. Very strange. I really think that's strange. You would think... Because now they can't go more than a couple of years without yeah. crossing paths. Well, and it's not like, you know, Wolverine's just now becoming a big character again. Right. It's like by this point, he's been a, a big character in the Marvel Universe for a while. And so it seems like getting him back to Hulk. Now, I don't know what Hulk was doing in this era, but it seems like both books could use the crossover. You know, it's really weird, too, because before... All right. So before McFarlane came on board, um, the art was, I think it was Mike McNulty. If I got the order wrong, I apologize. But going backwards, I think it was McFarlane, Mike McNulty, some fill-ins, obviously, some kind of jobbers. Um, But then John Byrne had a run on the Incredible Hulk. That's true. And Byrne, like... Had a lot to do with shaping Wolverine. Yeah, it's really weird. I think weird. he would have jumped at the chance. The only thing I think of is at that point in his career, coming having kind of finished all the X Men stuff, maybe he didn't want to be typecast. Or like, yeah, like he was just sick of drawing the X Men at that point and didn't want to draw, didn't want to mess with Wolverine. Or maybe he was mad because they didn't go necessarily in the direction he wanted to go with the character. Yeah, so but, but maybe he was not, just throwing a fit. I don't but know. But he wasn't writing. <laughs> He was he was co-plotting Uncanny by the time he left the book. No, no, I mean the Hulk. When he goes to the Hulk, he wasn't writing the Hulk, was he? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I think he was drawing and writing at that oh, point. Oh, both. Okay. Well, yeah. I, then, I then it is really weird. He may have been just co-writing at that point too. But, but either um, way, I, mean, I was thinking he was just art. Well, and, and if someone was... else was writing, I think you for sure like make Burn draw Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like. So yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that before, but that that's really odd that they didn't cross paths during that era. 
just based on how awesome Burns Wolverine was. Yeah, um, that's a really strange. Uh, you gotta get to the bottom of this. If there's anybody that knows the dark history behind my, I, I know John Burns not politics. listening to this because he's antisocial. <laughs> hey, you never know. But um, if somebody, anybody who, who in the know, who's in the room, in for those meetings, yeah, fly on the wall. Where's the Marvel fly on the wall? Plotters, right. <laughs> somebody, let us know what happened. Andrew, this is exactly the kind of thing you love to research. That's true. So I, I expect a, a dissertation um, shortly. There you um, go. All right. Well, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for our Hulk rematch, Cameron. Yes. Let's you know this is episode one seventy three. Okay. And I need to do a current episode. Let's see if we can make Fall of the Mutants episode one seventy five. That would be cool. That would be awesome. So let's 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 try to make that work schedule wise. And okay. and to so be trans- do a foil cover. <laughs> yeah, a foil cover. Uh huh. On the podcast. Um, and to be fair, most of the delays in the episode have been my fault. <laughs> so not, not all his fault. We we've both had. You know, we're getting older, and we just we've had too much going on. Just issues, family issues. I've had a baby. Just stuff we got to deal with. But just this thing called having a job. Yeah. And having kids. It really gets into the social life <laughs> aspect of, of what I want to do versus what I have to do. Right. But, you know, um, Ollie is now over a month old. And so I kind of wanted to intentionally take a, that first month to kind of do the shorter episodes and get Denise and I into more of a our new life pattern, <laughs> so to speak. Look, nobody's mad at you for trying to be a good dad. You don't yeah. have to apologize. <laughs> Not, I'm not really apologizing. I'm just letting the listeners know that I think we're getting close to being back kind of on a regular schedule. There you go. Yeah. He's so. Ollie's already feeding himself, changing yeah. his own diaper. He's fully uh-huh. He's fully, fully grown. Uh, like that Will Ferrell baby. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And if you haven't seen that, go look it up. Yeah. But um anyway, Cameron, anything you wanna wanna talk about? Nothing. Nothing all right. at all. And what's your Twitter? Uh, at Cameron Sinclair. All right. Perfect. Um, and for, of course, the podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff are uh, snickcast.podbean.com. Um, Andrew, you can email your your thesis about John Byrne, Peter David, and the relationship between <laughs> You already Wolverine. downgraded it from a dissertation to a thesis. Between <laughs> Wolverine and the Hulk. Um, Look, can, just a five-page paper. Just yeah. get us a little All response right. paper. What do you All think right. about this? <laughs> so you can email that to snickcast at yahoo.com and so the next episode will be uh, the first half of April for the current books April 2016 and the next flashback episode will be full on Follow the Mutants and um, we'll try to kind of keep more regular after that so until next time uh, first of all Cameron thank you very much for coming on Always and a little piece behind the curtain. It was really fun to do this uh, together in person this time. I know. So. Although we sat next to each other like a weird couple in a booth. <laughs> yeah, there's no one across the table. Uh, we should, we should have sent someone over there. Yeah. Uh, I should have made Denise just watch us record. <laughs> I'm sure she would have loved quietly it. <laughs> right. And look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that was fun. So um, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye. Bye. And snacked.